0: it's a lot I'm, I'm lucky enough to be locked down with my girlfriend and you know we're we're happy i have like a, an argument each week that's just our schedule
1: <laughs> welcome
2: to surviving society
1: this season's broad theme is
2: imagining a new
1: normal towards social justice if you enjoy the podcast and find it useful for your ever-expanding sociological imagination, please consider supporting the podcast if you have the means via our Patreon. If not, you can always support us by subscribing, rating and reviewing on your preferred podcast platform. Welcome to another episode of Surviving Society. We are really excited today to be joined remotely by Nathaniel Cole, co-founder of Swim Dem Crew, a scholar, mental health advocate, community worker, youth worker, TEDx speaker. Do you know what, Nathaniel, I think you're <laughs> our first TEDx speaker on the podcast. Yeah, this, is a
2: big, a this,
1: deal. this is a big deal. Please <laughs> say hello to our listeners, Nathaniel.
0: Hello, 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 lovely listeners. Hi. <laughs>
1: <laughs> this is an exciting episode we were saying, T, hey, before we got women by you on, Nathaniel, because swimming and black people swimming in particular is something that we've actually spoken about quite a lot on this podcast in particular thinking about race and stereotypes and just inventions about things that have been made up about black people that just sort of stuck over time mm. and your organization swim dem crew is basically an emblem of like a fuck you to that <laughs> <laughs> Like, <laughs> it is absolutely, it's brilliant what you guys do. and absolutely buzzing to the listeners to hear more about it.
2: No, de- definitely. It's like social. I think it hits home right about now, like when we talk about stuff on the show. So in terms of how race affects black people, how black people seem to be, well, black people in the UK sometimes inherently scared of water mm. and how they, that's a learned behaviour. And conversely, how white people think black people can't swim. Like, and that kind of ties into eugenics and all these things that kind of fly around in the ether i think it's a powerful thing man
1: so well, nathaniel can you tell our audience a little bit about you and how you came to to be a founder of Swim Dem crew
0: i've worked a lot of different jobs um so I'm like i'm a writer researcher workshop facilitator all like you know surrounding uh, masculinity mental health sex relationship education for young people So I've been doing that for a few years now, but before all of that, I was, especially when I was younger, I'm 29, but I was, when I was 20, I did a a youth project with Run Dem Crew. So you've got Swim Dem Crew, you've got Run Dem Crew. Um, Run Dem Crew is about 12 years old. It's a a running community that's founded by Charlie Dark. He's a, his old tagline was like DJ, poet, founder of Run Dem Crew, but I think now he's like Yogi, (laughs) DJ, poet, founder of Run Dem Crew. Um, And he's a youth worker as well, does a lot of creative writing workshops in schools. So in their youth project, they'd take a bunch of young people on, train them to do a race and then give them weekly creative challenges as well while being mentored at the same time. And obviously you do your race with your mentors as well, which is quite nice. So I did that youth project and that kind of opened up my my world and changed my thinking a bit. Um, I was really interested in creative industry after that because I, I thought it was interesting that like people in the office could decide what goes on like a big billboard or an advert. So in my early 20s, I tr- tried to get a, a fit into that industry. Rundem's like 100, 150 people running together on a Tuesday night, um, running all through London to like different locations, and then coming back. And it's like community, it's, it's family. And I do rundem crew. I finished my youth projects and just kept on going. Um, obviously, my confidence as a person grew at the time. And then I got a place for London Marathon, uh, luckily enough on my first try and in my training plan it had uh, one day of swimming to do so I've been swimming since I was like three or four my mum didn't want us to be me and my brother to be stereotypes or and also wanted us to be safe I'm a Sindian my mum's that's Jamaican um, I was always going to Trinidad when I was younger and you know, going to the beach and have like a river line which is where you like cook by the, beach, by the river and stuff um, but I feel like if she knew I could swim then I'd be safe but I hadn't swam since I was like in uni and stuff and I remember just it was really weird going from running with so many people on Tuesday night to Wednesday night and swimming alone, and I didn't really have a desire to like train hard or anything because it was just supplementing my running, and I wanted to I just wanted to bring that vibe that you got at Rundem, create like that community, that social vibe to the pool, because pools are really quiet places and just like being your thoughts, which is great for some people, but I thought that was crap. So <laughs> I started swimming again every Wednesday. And then at Rundem, a couple of other runners are swimming as well. And um, the names of P and Emily. And like back in the old Instagram days, you know, you're just posting up wherever you're going, like on Foursquare and all those kind of things. <laughs> um, and so Emily noticed that me, her, and P, we're all swimming at the same pool, which is London Fields Lido, but just on different days. And to be honest, we just didn't even know each other. Like, we went running, but we we're kind of we're just acquaintances. She decided that we should swim together, and we kept on doing that every Saturday. It was like, you know, it doesn't matter what you do on Friday night, just get to the pool on Saturday morning. He actually got t- nearly got turned out, turned away from Crystal Palace once because he was, like, too... <laughs>
1: Hanging.
0: <laughs> but he knew someone that worked. today, oh, I'll let him in. But the receptionist, they won't let him in. But, yeah, we did that for about a year, just always swimming together. We go to Emily's house after, eat, sleep, and just hang out. Like, I, th- I always say that like, swimming was my first WhatsApp group. There's only three people there. After a while, people started to ask if they could come swim with us as well. And mm-hmm. we didn't really know what to say. Like because we liked it as us three, but, you know, ultimately if you want to make something like worthwhile for people, you've got to open your doors. So then we we opened our doors and started like letting people come with us on Saturday mornings. Um, we go to lots of different pools and that we went from being three people to like 10 to 15 to 20. The WhatsApp group group, uh, grew bigger as well. And we started finding all these different races to do. And it just kind of grew into this, its own entity, I think, um so he had run them, and then when we made swim them like an official thing, we realized that like, it's still quite different, like swimming brought people slightly closer than than running for some reason. I think there's something about like the vulnerability of, of water and you know you've been undressed and try, <laughs> trying to like have people look at you and talk to you in your eyes rather than like your body or whatever it is. so we started doing lots of different races and then io Ackerman-Larry, who's well he's a current b b c presenter. But ex that Blue Peter presenter, he wanted to do a project with us where we we taught young people how to swim and had them do the Great North Swim in Manchester. So we did that project in 2015. Fast, that was really nice because some of the young people that were with us had never even left London before, so it was really great to like, be able to take them on that journey. Um, one of them ended up actually becoming a swimming teacher himself which was like full circle for us and then after that i decided to retrain at the time i was in that like, creative industry but doing that made me realize i was really nice to, to help people and, and give them a skill so we did that and then did like an advert of google and like we decided to get like brand partnerships and endorsements and then now we've gone from like our saturday sessions each saturday morning to another free session so we do monday night coaching we always say it took us six years to um do our swimming lessons, or do our own swimming lessons? So we start doing lessons in 2019 for absolute beginners, like people that will drown if they go to the water. Um, been running those sessions for a year, and then now we've introduced a Wednesday Improver session. So people finish our lessons, then they go into the Improver sessions and can like learn like more skills, like tread and water, and like more water confidence, and like streamline all those those like raw water traits that they've got. So all the work I do is kind of intertwined. Like swimming, swim them gives me that like you know, it lets me touch on mental health and community and family of people and provide a nice space for people to kind of wind down and be themselves and just, I don't know, just um, feel wanted maybe, like feel like there's people that care about them. Um, Like you, you join a yeah. them, you're joining like 30 friends. It's kind of the vibe we try and create for our sessions.
2: But I think what's, what's interesting to me and I kind of kind of strikes me from, kind of some of the sports I've done is this idea of deconstruction, right? So mm. once you go to this place and you're quite vulnerable, so I've done contact sports so, I've done uh, martial arts, I've done boxing, and you've been so close to people, hugging people, that it deconstructs things. So, tell matter how strong you think you are, or how big you are, think you are that gets left outside now. So, you're mm-hmm. for the first time in your life, you're communicating without that ego. And mm-hmm. it's a strange thing because most of the time it's bravado, especially if you're a young man, it's bravado. But once you get into that swimming pool, if you can't swim <laughs> quite quickly, you lose that. You quite yeah. quickly you lose that ego, and same thing. When you get into a place where most boys think they can fight, but when they get into a situation where they can't fight, mm-hmm. they lose that so fast, and it be- you become yourself. It's a humbling thing to see. It happened to myself. I <laughs> walk into a situation now, and I, I for the first time, I felt humbled. Man, you be become yourself, and I think mm-hmm. that's a big thing, you know. So personally, I think that can kind of, that kind of de- deconstruction that you offer, without realizing it. Like mm. This is a process that people go through. Like you said, you're naked and water. Yeah. Like if you think you're bad outside, it doesn't matter how bad you put on your night here, you sink you sinking, isn't it, Blood? Like you get me? <laughs> I...
1: It's like there's two sets of people that I want to sort of explore a little bit. So I was talking to you about how I I, I learned to swim um in which you, you have a workout forward. which one was. Kings Hall, Kings yeah. Hall. That's what my, my dad taught me to swim. I had to sort of learn through living amongst majority white people and then just racism that black, It's perceived that black people can't swim because mm-hmm. it's just it was just such a big th- it was such a big thing for my dad who is black to teach me to swim. Like it was just a big part of my childhood like, from a very young age. So you've got those groups where it's just a complete myth. But then you do have a sort of like a more complex relationship that some black people do have with swimming, regardless of race. But one of the things I'm just thinking about is how Swim Dem Crew offers an opportunity for cultural competency around getting confidence about these sort of possibly internalised things about swimming and blackness. Number one, you're sort of like deconstructing this stereotype about people not being able to swim because of course we can and number two you're you're working with groups of people that have possibly internalized these stereotypes or it's been because of things to do with culture where you're not necessarily inclined or pushed to swim
0: you actually see the spread across our sessions so our saturday sessions would be i say maybe 65, 35% yeah. split by, like, black people and, and others, um, or majority white. And so our Monday night session is probably 70, 80% white. And then, obviously, you got black and some Asian people as well, which is why what happened was we did swim them, We made it accessible and cool, but our friends still couldn't swim. <laughs> so when I say it took us six years to do lessons, it took us six years to, like, get a name for ourselves to the point where pools would let us in to, like – because there's a lot of red tape, like – while I tried to like look up segregation in the UK and specifically about pools, like how you have in America, it's not necessarily the same, but there's still, you know, the UK's racism is more like under the rug or like not spoken about, but there's always these barriers in place.
1: Daniel, talk us through that. So were you you were trying to effectively do like a positive action to ensure that you could just teach black people to swim?
0: That is what we do. Yes. But um, in terms of, that's what we wanted to do in 2015. And, you know, we started our first lesson in 20, 2019 because pool that we have is kind of like um we do our sessions at Olympic pool in Stratford so it's kind of like its own little island when it comes to that company that that manage it I think because of that we were just allowed to like run our sessions so on our website and our booking we say that these are these lessons are for black people that respect our space and thankfully we have not I've not had any emails yet of like I'm white why can't I join <laughs> you know I've, I've had lots of meetings with, with pool operators and different associations and stuff and People in the UK get very scared of of black or any form of positive discrimination. Essentially, what we did is just we just did it as opposed to like try and spend years like trying to get like some sort of thing passed or funding or something. We just did it ourselves because we realized the people are there waiting, and that's why we just made that choice. So, when we talk about deconstructing all those things about black people not swimming, bonelessly internalized, um, those internalized things that people have like we we knew it was more important to just provide a space from the get-go where people can can challenge all of that together and I'm only going to be able to create that with you know a majority black class and I think with it was funny actually with Sunde like it became so much about race I think just because just because of me and P like that's you know we are that (laughs) you know two black men like and I work a bit in diversity and inclusion stuff and I'm just like so many problems that these companies have with their their racism and ableism and all the isms would actually just be solved if they were if the people at the helm just changed or just understood I don't know how much learning can account for lived experience. And when I, I meet with people that want to change or want to get more black people in and stuff, I'm like, you do realize that it would have been simpler if a black person just did this instead. Mm-hmm. So like when it comes to swim them, like a lot of the things we do have just become, because of who we are, we understand those trials tribulations that people have gone through. Um, like when we do our lessons, you know, we, we send a big email of, these are the products you need to buy, this is the, the stuff you need for your hair, stuff you need for your feet, it's, you know, buy a towel, bring a towel. And then also like another section about like, you know, what Afro-punk you use with no no Trumpism, no ableism, no racism, no sexism. So, like, so they can leave their ego at the door, essentially, which is what we learned from Rundam. To just so they know they're stepping into an environment that's going to be welcoming and, and comforting but I think it allows them to kind of build you know we allow people to like build a community based off their common common interests and fear and then that lets them like really excel at their, at their lessons as well.
1: One of the things yeah. that we talk about um, on the podcast is like how representation can get us some of the way but it can't get us the whole way but I do feel like with something yeah. like swimming and particularly if you're trying to tackle internalized issues to do with race and swimming. I agree with you that the representation thing is absolutely key but think the thing that's really stood out for me that you've said and that is clear within the ethos of Swim Dem Crew is how important it is for the space to be inclusive and welcoming. Look at look at the government like you don't have to be you, you can be you can be a black you can be black and a dickhead, but like you can, you can if you have to put the politics there. Do you know what I mean? So just thinking about representation, but actually representation is yeah. really important for this stuff. But then the added bonus that you're political and clear in what mm. you guys stand for is just brilliant. And I wish we I could have I wish more organisations were like it, to be honest. You know where you stand.
0: Yeah, you know where you stand, you get really difficult. Like some number group of people are oh, my best friends here. This space,
2: especially for young people. And mm. in my time growing up, this kind of space you got created in a swim crew is like a akin to like a youth club. And obviously, there's always been this big dialogue in academia about about youth clubs going missing. And I think that's an important space for young people to kind of congregate, basically. It avoids the madness of normal life, right? Mm. It also gives them an aim and helps them build interpersonal skills that sometimes I feel not school... I don't think schools are equipped to deal with that anymore. So this is a space where... They can come here and and they can. It's in their own. It's in their own time, so they want to be there. So it's slightly different than school, where you have to go. So you want to be there, and you're you're having a laugh, but also it's giving them a, a discipline, which mm. is quite handy. It's a focus, a skill, but also it helps them just to kind of just, just become a more rounded
0: individuals, You know, and I feel like while yeah, everyone at Sundham isn't you know obviously just touching on politics, like is left leaning. I'd say. Politically, it doesn't mean that they're all the same. Yeah. So you know, when we make our, our, do our lessons, you know, we go out for food once a month. We do our retreats and stuff, and that's the time where people get to like really gel and learn more about each other and have those those big discussions. Um, And I find in obviously we know we're talking about social and stuff, but a big thing for Swim them is that. I think i realized in my early 20s that like london can be a lonely place you know you don't know someone's life they might not actually talk to that many people in their in their week um but at them they can come and like meet for people that become their friends and they can learn new things about each other like we one of our members i just saw him earlier today um dot uh josh he, he's from oxford like he came down to london he has a food business um food truck and stuff like that. And he would only meet people when he went out. So he's in fabric and like that's where he'd meet people. Um other than, you know, on the food store yeah, you serve your food and you have a chat, but you don't actually get to know someone. So when when we met Josh, it was after swim then we always get food together afterwards on a Saturday. So it's swim and then brunch. So like we're on like a a journey to kind of find this this food market in the car park in South. And then um we meet Josh and, like, his burger's banging and P's, P's done that thing of, like, who's the chef? Who's made this burger? <laughs> and um, Josh is like, yeah, that was me. And then they just got talking and Josh went from having, like, no friends and, you know, meeting people in, only in, like, a very specific environment to to swimming the bus on Mondays and Saturdays and, you know, like, he realised P lived down the road from him and now he's got all these people that are his friends in London that he just didn't have before um, and also, like, formed friendships in a much more positive I think a much more positive environment as well. Um, and then when it comes to politics as well, you know, I said he's from Oxford; like he didn't know about London and and the way we live here, and we kind of opened up that world to him. So it gives us that space to have the to do that learning, that that social learning that I don't really think you get or you can really avoid it that um, like the way we have society at the moment.
2: I think I think for young kids as well, especially what you're speaking about there, so space for young people in London can be very mm. limiting. So the postcode thing. Like, yeah. I would even leave my ends because I'm from East to go to mm-hmm. South London, and this my I went to school in South London. I would have went.
1: He's still like yeah, this South now. London. He's still like this now. I'm like, tea? <laughs> <laughs>
2: we're,
1: we're tea. We're going to Ladbroke Grove, and he'll be like, all oh, for what? For what? I oh, would we'll right. be like, I do not know those men. Then like, <laughs> I'm like People don't know me here. I don't know. <laughs>
0: Yeah,
2: see, it's deep, ingrained. But when you mm. start stepping out your your kind of comfort zone, like I said, school. Most people go to school in their local area, so unless yeah. you're forced to go outside school, that it replicates. And so when I started working in the city, one of the questions I'd ask young kids is, "Why don't you go X place? Why don't you come to the city?" And it's it's the fear they have. Mm. They've kind of space is bounded for them, yeah. so they'll go to a certain place, and, and that's as far as it goes. So a space where they can meet people and feel safe. And meet people from different areas without mm. that kind of anxiety and threat. I'm all for, man.
0: Yeah, because it's nice because when they meet in a situation like that. It's like they're there for the same reason. Like when we did a few years ago, we did a couple of years ago. We worked for a brand to do free swimming lessons for for young people at um, London Fields Lido. You know, the biggest thing there is you have to really hone in on on the area of Hackney because, as you said, like people aren't going to travel. We did have some girl that came from Beckham and I was like, right, you've like really done the rounds here. <laughs> Mm. But you know, we had a couple, couple from Hackney, a couple from, obviously a girl from Peckham, and um also like people from like that like Newham side as well. Come, I think that was just nice because that, a lot of the time that was a that was all their first time going to Under Falls Lido. and also their first time you know having like a, a swimming lesson that was a bit different, like outside of school, like it's not with thirty people, and again like in school you it's, there's also social like aspects to it. You don't want to be embarrassed and stuff. So it's, you know, it got rid of a lot of barriers for them, and we want to keep mm-hmm. doing more more work and projects like that too.
1: As well as swim, dem crew being like a fuck you to stereotypes and racism. <laughs> also, it's really sort of staring in the face and staring down gentrification, reject like or regeneration, mm. whatever they want to call it, neoliberalism, <laughs> like co- things like the cost of living, like what we can actually do socially mm. in London. Like, it's really this is why I, this is why I see your work as like a proper like activist anti-racist. In, like organization institutions, because you're literally trying to you're setting something up and you're organizing in the face of so many state and local violences, basically that are that mm. have been tearing communities apart for decades now. And it's like, actually, no, this is a social space, sporty, partially sporty, but it's not for it's not for generating like a load of wealth for individuals. It's not for <laughs> it's not for it's not.
2: Yeah. It's, it became a community place but trying to
0: reclaim back space, it's space. exactly
1: it's reclaiming it like like- when we
0: <laughs> i laugh because we go to different pools every it used to be every saturday every other saturday we go to a different swimming pool in in london pretty much and um like even london feels lighter that's where we started swim them. but as an area london feels gone through like you know pretty extreme gentrification mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. While we were talking about segregation in, in USA pools and they're not necessarily being the same here, but it's more like cultural segregation. Like when you, when we go into swim, when swim them come to a pool, it changes the dynamic of that pool because it, it becomes loud, it becomes fun, it becomes blacker, it becomes, you know, there's black people there, there's Asian people there, white people as well, and all getting together. But when we step into a pool, it's normally, you know, we're the only ones. Kind of there, if that makes sense. <laughs> no, no, that makes perfect sense. But it kind of ties into the idea of like, so, so are
2: so many pools that you go to are the council run?
0: So the way it works is all pools pretty much are owned by the councils. So okay. we're talking about Kingsway, that's owned by Hackney Council, but you'll have pool operators that run it for the council. So they win their council contract, um, and then they'll run the pool. So they say what the pool say is if you flip a pool every upside down everything that falls out is from the operator but the the build the bricks and mortar is the council themselves okay councils used to run pools before and then i don't know what the the reason was you know it's probably just cheaper to have someone else run it um
1: it's
2: like privatization yeah it it is a privatization of the cost right so when you go to different pools are there different prices in different areas i assume
0: right, so swimming such a there's so many barriers in swimming cost is a big one um i was just looking at the cost of what swimming probably costs me on a saturday for the year it's probably 800 pounds because i go to swim which is five pounds or you know five pounds to seven pounds and then i'll get brunch after which is like you know 10 to 15 mm. so that's 20 pounds a week and then you know so cost of swimming, like pay as you go, is normally £5.50 at a pool. Um, It depends on where the pool is, what borough, all that sort of stuff. But generally speaking, it's about £5, £5.50. You need a pound for a locker or 20p for the locker. You don't get the 20p back. And then obviously you just got to get to the pool and add on top of that you need a swimming costume, you need goggles, you need a hat so, and slippers or sliders. So just to get started you're already like spending £100 I think to get into the water. Depending on what
2: borough you are, from the richest borough to the poorest borough, is there mm. a difference in quality of the kind of facilities available inside the pool? Like I grew up in Tower Hamlets, right? Tower Hamlets mm. swimming pool <laughs> is, one, is one of the reasons why I don't like going swimming. It was horrendous. It yeah. was yeah. just like, dirty. <laughs> and once I got in the pool I felt clean but when I got back out mm. I was thinking this is yeah. a myth. Man has to walk. Cross people's hairs and all that madness.
0: The funny yeah. thing about this is obviously a lockdown right now, but like a swimming pool's like the swimming pool itself is like one of the cleaner places like, to be, but it's everything around the pool that's that's the problem when it comes to This is that's what i saying. <laughs> pools have been refurbished, they get regenerated. Would I say there's a split? I think Camden have it nice, like Camden's like central and north London, They're, their pools are always like to a good standard it's kind of hand-picked by the building so Hackney will always be I'd say reluctant to rejuvenate their pools they would rather knock them down and put a new building then like re- you know refurbish one like you've got Britannia Leisure Centre in um near Shoreditch and that's I that's, know that one I used to
2: go yeah. to that one Britannia has got a wave machine in it it's got a wave, I got machine. A wave machine, got <laughs> slides I used to work oh, there, but... yes, nice to go there. <laughs> i I hate it Um, hate it because
0: i said drown that's when i couldn't swim them days man and for instance they want to refurbish the area like the leisure center part leisure center part but not the pool itself and then they want to knock it down and put new builds in and then a 25 meter square pool but i think for, for children and families like you need leisure pools with wave machines and fun elements it can't just be the square like the rectangular pools that we have
2: that was dead the wave machine's powerful, the wave machine's yeah, powerful. Yeah, like, you
0: need things like that, and I feel like councils and higher up in government, they don't, you know, they don't see pools as these places for, like, social activity. Um, so, obviously, we're trying to, have to challenge that, I guess. And then, yeah, you know, West London's got money, so <laughs> their pools are nice, too. If pools in South and East London that, like, struggle, I guess, like struggle to like, secure that, that funding and budget, like, you're talking about the Tower Hamlets Pool, it might have been Poplar Baths or Myland or, or York Hall, like, Poplar's been reopened and redone, it's a nice looking pool, but they took the pool from the like the main area and put it into the basement. So what
2: I used to go to is called Saint George's, right? It's, it's
0: on the oh, highway. Yeah, yeah, Wapping. I used to teach there, yeah. And Saint George's is a beautiful pool, like location. I used to teach there and swim there, but that building is just falling down. Yeah, and like, a- sure, if you went to St. George's now, it's not changed at all. It probably looks exactly no. the same.
2: Listen, managed to go there in the 80s, fully in the 80s. It had a
0: laundrette <laughs> attached to it, a laundrette.
2: Listen, you only see them things on the East End, isn't it? You <laughs> make believe they existed, man. I used to go yeah. to the
0: laundrette there. <laughs> yeah, why the laundrette's not there? I it was not that was
1: the routine. So my dad lived in Upper Captain in Gooch House, and we'd go to laundrette, then we'd go to King's Hall, mm-hmm. do swimming, and go back to the laundrette. Yeah. I just.
0: That's all the same road, Oh!
1: Mm-hmm. See, like, don't drink, man, it was the way oh, so. it was the way like one of the things that i'm thinking about as well i feel like we're having a sort of conversation a little bit about yeah the impact of regeneration who gets prioritized in cities which <clears> i think is a really important conversation particularly as we often see um the actual class and live dynamics of London being misrepresented a lot. So people not realising like how these things, people sometimes have got this assumption that London's like this haven when we know that that isn't true. Uh, But I feel like one of the things that I wanted to sort of go get you to talk to a little bit and find you is you, you, yourself, P, two black guys running this organisation, black led for black people to learn to swim or to have a swimming community, right? What has it been like running this against the projection that black people can't swim so the reason why I say that is because it wasn't long ago I was at a conference about eugenics and literally two people in the audience spoke about bone density and black people not being able to swim and it's just like this is what I was talking about before about how this conversation has come up quite a lot on the podcast in in the past it's like one of these myths that still has like people just believe and sort of You'll, you'll hear like You hear like even if we're talking away from swimming, like you'll hear like football pundits as well. Like when the way they talk about black black men in particular, as if there is something. Innately different about them because of being black.
2: I don't know if you sort of watch UFC. So that Francis Ngannou, he's from Africa, from Cameroon. He's big. He's powerful. He's dense. (laughs) It kind of speaks to the abstraction of what what we know of, like science. So those terms, those words, we associate with sinking, big, heavy, dense. You don't associate with someone who's made of those things can be able to swim or float, right? So that's you can see how science. In that kind of abstract term, ties into our kind of it's embodied in our bodies. The idea that we can't swim because we're dense, we're heavy, we're strong—it's
1: not embodied in our bodies, is it? It's in, we can internalize. It can be, yeah, sorry, It could be sorry, an internalized sorry, racism, yeah. but it can also be a projected racism, yeah. of course. And yeah, yeah, we just wanted to hear more about navigating that because I've seen you on TV as well. What, <laughs> what has that been like? That re- reception of people—they're like, "Oh, what? You're black people, and you run a swimming mm. company."
0: I remember P got into an fight <laughs> with a with a coach um, in like 2015 where we had hired a lane and obviously we come through with load of like young black people and basically this club would always overrun their time in the pool so they're they're there at nine thirty but really they're supposed to be there till nine so then we come in they're like, like who are you like look up and down sort of thing and just like that whole idea of. um you know, we don't belong here, or you don't belong here. Like, why are you here? And, and I think now we're at the place where the mass media or like UK or, or whoever it is has realised black people can swim, and now they want to like be proactive with it, you know, to save face. But the reality is that we have never, never been looked at or considered for these things. We don't question why black people sprint or that there's black sprinters or or black basketball players or whatever it may be, because that's just what we do and are expected to do. So when we step into this newer space, that's not been occupied by us before like I think the the challenges we have people don't understand like the cultural impact of, of, of swimming or being told that your your bones are heavier or being made to like get out pools early in school because you're going to take longer to get dressed because you've got a cream afterwards oh like God. they don't understand anything
1: <laughs> that is, that is, something, that is yeah. actually something that teachers used to do to me so make me get out of the pool before yeah. everyone else <gasps> I and it's like they don't understand that. the effect
0: <laughs> the effect that that has on people as they grow into adults and you know especially if your family's if it's not a cultural thing in your family to go swimming like we're talking about race but there's also religion like you know modest um muslim women or and other religions that you know don't show as much they're not you know swimming isn't really for them unless there's a session just for them so if you know you're growing up in that sort of environment like well, one end of this especially you've got us who understand what it's like and the other end of the spectrum, you've got people that are classified as normal in society and that you know reading normal but white, and um you know they go through like it's that ignorance is bliss so the problems or issues that we might have or the barriers have never been there for them so they don't understand that so when a whole institution is you know for us, for us white and yeah. you know just moving through the world a certain way it doesn't understand anything different that's kind of where in terms of the barriers we've had you have it on the local level of like yeah you know a, a coach being like who are you or a, a pool not letting you book a lane because like what do you what do you mean social swimming what's that or then like a one maybe maybe down the line refusing us to do lessons just for black people because that's, they'll say that's racist or whatever it is because you know they should be entitled to everything as far well as I'm concerned and mm. so I think it's just people don't understand there's just a, a severe a core <laughs> lack of understanding of like the powers that be of like why something like what we do is needed because they do not understand it or see it as a problem for them because they get to do what they want already. And it's like, you know, why should they cater to us? I guess it's probably how they feel. Our, our big thing with swimming is I want swimming to be looked at as a life skill and something like fun and social to do rather than like a, a sport, like how, like football's a sport. Yes, it's recreationally, the social skills all that stuff, but how much is it going to save someone's life if they're, you know, in that, in the dangerous situation where it's, every summertime like obviously it's lockdown so now I was going on holiday to like Ibiza or wherever but every year you know on those in those party destinations someone drowns it's normally like a young black boy oh that drowns my transfers. god
1: Nathaniel i would not thought about that
0: mm. and like last an year you had um, that's
1: so what an important intervention that's so true I've been yeah. on those holidays and someone's died yeah, Not like, that I was being, you know, but like I've been on the island when that's happened. Fuck
0: mm. out. And lastly, year had a family. Was it? A, I think a dad and two of his children. I don't want that to keep on happening. But there's a, people need to understand the reasons why things like that happen, and you know, we exist to like make that change so that it stops. Um, but you know, as how's it be like whether it's government and pool operators they need to, to understand that they have a part to play in all of it as well.
1: So powerful.
2: Historically, like at one point, boxing used to be a, a white person's sport. Yeah. Right? So <laughs> it used to black people. So now black people are synonymous with boxing. Mm. Same with basketball. Mm. These things were synonymous with white people and it took time to break those barriers down. And mm. We, from a, from the whole point of like boxing is learning to stand up for you. So it's a practical skill you could learn to defend yourself mm. and it could be pursued to a Olympic or athletic yeah. level. And I think the same thing can happen with, with swimming. It's mm. a practical skill to learn that could save your life. But eventually yeah. we can professionalize and become good at it. All these sports used to be white only: mm. tennis, yeah. golf, <laughs> F one racing, all of them used to be white only, right. but it just takes time. And once we break those barriers down, but it's it's again. And uh, kind of, one of the big points that we made in the podcast, it's always seems to be us fighting for this. Yeah. We're fighting for those spaces when really in 2020, bro, I don't need to do that anymore, man. Just let me in.
0: No, it's, that's the thing is that sometimes you get, you know, people talk about rundown, you get tired of like trying to bang down the doors. <laughs> and This is what
2: I'm saying. Just which is why in. I think
0: at them we kind of create that environment that we have where it's like, yes lessons like black only and well, there's always like at least one asian person it just kind of happens, um black yeah. only and, and you know some asian people in our lessons but then you know as a wider scale for swimming the idea is that anyone can come in and be welcomed into this space like that's why it was really frustrating we didn't get to do our our, ret- our first retreat of the year because that would have been the first time of all different people from swimming down we like, on monday and saturday sessions being able to blend with everyone else as yeah. well so people from our lessons and our improver sessions they were all going to come together and like meet each other. And like, that was going to be like, I think the icing on the cake for us to like bring those different groups of people together so they can meet and chat. And then, you know, it didn't get to happen yet, but we'll do it one day. Yeah, you will. You 100%
1: will do it. (laughs) Um, But one of the things I wanted to say to just to pick up on a point you made to Nathaniel is, and I mean, T, you taught me this. One of the things that we have to do is deconstruct the notion of progress So when you were talking then, you were talking about like things change and we then become the leaders in this sport and that sport and actually like eventually like we're going to come and compete. But I feel like what Swim Dem crew represent is like, again, just kind of the middle finger to like that neoliberal idea of like keep going, keep going, keep going. Like it's for social, but it's also a life skill. It's to to save people's lives one day, but equally it's just about community. Like I think that is and it's obviously like it's great to have like it's got representation brilliant like it's great to have like more it would be great to have more black athletes that are swimmers on for people to see on tv but ultimately like just sort of knocking that deconstructing like what you said to deconstructing that notion of progress and all that i feel like is it's quite powerful because you were very you you corrected me nathaniel and said it's not sporty it's social
2: mm. and there's something yeah. really powerful.
1: there's something really there's something very very profound and important I, I,
2: about that. What swimmingdale kind of represents is, especially if you're talking about in the context of modern cities, is this idea of an inclusive place for, for social cohesion. London, mm. in the face of gentrification, is very atomistic, so people don't really want to speak to each other. And if I'm a young boy from a different end, why am I speaking to a man from a different end? So I'm not mm. speaking to anyone. And the whole idea of deconstructing those things, those barriers, and bringing people together, especially in terms of, like, as we speak in the pre-chat about masculinity, that, that's a big thing for me right now like young guys like they don't know how to behave bro like they're talking to, they're talking to older people in a madness talking to young do. women in a madness
1: I've got, yeah some of them some of them but yeah I hear you <laughs> no, yeah, some but, of them do, but you get what
2: I'm
0: saying like, you and, run
1: workshops on this stuff don't you and you spoke about this in your TikTok. Yeah, yeah.
0: yeah so I think from masculinity point of view is uh, there's a lot of young people I think competing to be heard because like in masculinity and patriarchy you're taught to like we are socialized to um to, to get like win, to win things, to be on top, to be alpha. And um mm-hmm. you know, the way that transpires to like how you communicate with people is is show a certain dominance that like within masculinity and, and power over other people and it's it's there's so much to it to like deconstruct, but I feel like with what we do, you know, the work I do in the workshops, we're trying to show them that, you know it's to empower young boys to to think. Or believe that they can actually be the type of that they can grow into a man that they want to be, and that man doesn't have to just exist within this one notion of what a man is. Um So that's what in the workshops.
2: This, Nathaniel, this is what I'm trying to tell heads. Like, listen, don't be that guy. You don't have to be that guy mm. anymore. Like, yeah. you can be anyone who you want to be. Like, it's okay being being a nerd. It's okay being into mm. whatever you are. It's okay to be that person. But they, that 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 mold. That mould is so difficult to break. For me, it's very important for you, for young guys to have these different kind of role models or different ideas, concepts of what being a man is. Because mm. these notions, they're so dangerous. Because I've seen guys get out of their depth and they're not being themselves. And Because when, when, when you get out of depth and you're not yourself, that's when you get into trouble.
0: I think in the work I do, I try and... It's that whole quote about, like, be the person that, like, the younger you um, needed... Um, as I said, I'm in therapy each week and what I'm doing now with lockdown is really, like, like going back to my youth or revisiting like how I grew up and stuff. And I feel like that's why I do the work I do is because I want people to, I want young boys and young people to realize the world's bigger than where you grow up. You know, you don't have to just be the same way because, because people say or other people act like that. Um, and I think what we're trying to build in young people as well, I see it a lot more, it's way more in boys and in the young boys I work with than the girls, but you know, just building that, that empathy and kindness into each other, like, that acceptance of faults, that acceptance of difference. Um, I think one of the nicest, but also like harshest, hardest workshops we did was where we used to do, we used to run workshops on violence and about the choice to fight or having to fight. And we do something called, you know, I'll say an opinion or a statement and then they'll go, they'll either agree or disagree and talk about it and like move to different mm-hmm. ends of the classroom with it. And, we ended up doing this one about violence about this question based around if someone, if you had to fight someone and eventually we had most of the class moved to, we had all of the class move to one side saying that I don't have to fight if you don't want to. Um, or like, even if you do, it's like, you know, in that deep are not wanting to or have to do this thing. But we had one boy stay on the other side. He's like, I can't go home and say, I didn't fight someone. And, the boys on the other side said, we're not going to, we're not going to actually think differently of you if you walk away from a fight or you don't fight someone. So it was a weird thing of like the class changing their opinions and most of them being on one side saying, we're not going to think you're like a wasteman or whatever it is if you don't fight. But then the boy like also knowing the environment he's in and that going home to it of like, he knows he can't not do something because then that's going to have more repercussions for him. Um so it was nice to get the class to kind of change their thinking, and but also it was kind of sad to see that someone was still like very much like trapped in that ideology because they knew there'd be repercussions to it at home and that's around the you know people that are raising them as well. So it was nice and hard at the same time, like to get people for the boys to say we won't think different of you for what for the decisions you make. You know, sad for the boy, like.
2: Mm. But judgment is part of the whole part of the process of being human beings. People are going to judge you regardless, right? So <laughs> it's trying to build that resilience in people say so it's okay to fail like mm. a young a lot of young kids don't want to fail or be bad at something yeah and i'm trying to say to them anything i've done is taking me 10 15 years to become good at but mm. constantly keep going and keep going and in all that time i've been going i fail every day failure is about being honest about something honestly there's a vulnerability right so yeah. i express this when i go to see my supervisions i hate being critiqued right but <laughs> there's an honesty man i have to kind of take that on the chin and it helps me become better, hopefully, you know, if I mm. learn from that. But it's a process, and it's the it's one of the hardest processes to go through, to admit that you're rubbish at something. Don't
1: you feel like, T, I guess the example, the anecdote that Nathaniel's given, really powerful one, actually made me a bit, It's it, like you said, it's sort of happy and sad at the same time, is that actually, like, if you don't have people around you that are making those calls, being that representation that you need, then it is actually really difficult to access the possibility to be vulnerable basically like if you don't if you don't have that and I'm not I'm not trying to pathologize any groups here or anything like that I'm just sort of thinking it through like to what extent.
2: Listen I'll give you an example when I was about seven boom this boy took my bike off me and he gave me a slap and set me on my way and I went home crying and I said to my mum some boy took my bike she goes you better go back and get the bike from that boy mm-hmm. So I'm thinking, I didn't expect her to give me that answer. She just sent me back to the boy who sent me back in the race to ask him for my backpack. Are you mad? That kind of thing of, you can't let no one bully you. Mm. Now, that, that for me, as, a, as an adult now, that's not a good way to deal with someone I was being like, bullied, I was right?
1: like, T, where are we going with this? <laughs>
2: No, for me, that's not a yeah. good way to be bullied. But can you see those things? They yeah, exist. Yeah, yeah. And my
1: mum
2: Yeah, I know my mum, she loves me, right? Yeah. But that, that thing exists that if someone's bullying you, you can't be seen to be weak, right? Yeah. And that's not the way of dealing with bullies. But that's you hear it all the time. When a kid when someone's being bullied, someone in your family will say to you, Why don't you hit them back? No, mm. that's not gonna work for everyone. Because not everyone's the same. Yeah. But that would that was a strong thing through all my yeah. my school years teenagers if someone hits you hit them back when i did happen one i got beaten up the first time i got beaten i was thinking that didn't go the way i planned right He's <laughs> <laughs> still bullying me but, you get me. but it, it, those things are so deep deeply ingrained yeah. and not, not just like community at a kind of visceral level as a as a young guy you're taught like to defend yourself without really knowing the consequences of what that means you know yeah.
0: mm-hmm. i think that's why I- you know hopefully we can use like swimming as that tool to to help break that down because everyone starts bad there's no i've not seen anyone in the first lesson swim we used to do secondary school sessions i used to love teaching those boys because it was on one hand it was weird because they were like you know you're just you know, those boys they were year nines and they were unaware of oh i'm in the shallow end of you lot and you're all black and then in the deep end it's all white boys and I was like, I said to the boys, do you notice a difference here? And they were like, no, they've got curly hair or something. And I was like, guys, well, obviously I'm coming at it as an adult. But there was also a nice thing with them where they were all, at first, yeah, you know, laugh at each other, take a piss at each other, all of that. But then as time went on in lessons, they kind of just put all that to the side. And I think that allowed, that just showed them that you can be, you know, that opportunity, you can be bad at something. It's okay. Um and I think it was nice in the group aspect because they were all bad or, you know, they're doing it together. So, you know, hopefully we can use swimming as a tool to kind of empower and deconstruct um, that more positive you know, masculinity amongst so. young men and boys. The
2: idea of doing stuff together. So, when, like I said, whenever I've done any sport together, you realise quite quickly you bond, right? Yeah. You bond and you talk because you're open and you're, you're, you're making mistakes, you're being corrected. And the person that's teaching you might be your friend or might be someone who you look up to. And that mm. whole process, that whole social interaction is so important. I'm speaking from my own experience. Mm. Young guys, it's the ego thing, man. Like, there's no lie. But once you check your ego, it, it, it helps you in life, man.
0: It helps <laughs> you, man. Um, <laughs>
1: COVID 19 has been a bit of a madness, I can imagine, before mm. we can imagine for Swim Dem Crew. Like, what other sort of, like, if you had to say, like, top four things that are of concern for you right now for the organization
0: at first when lockdown first happened my first concern was like well there's only like a thousand pounds in the the company account yeah and our bills are two two grand yeah. um so at first it was it was finance like how do we survive having no income like people do pay us well for the lessons and our sessions and stuff so that was the first thing then the second thing was like well where?" we're people based you know we need to meet up we need we're a social thing like in real life like how do you go beyond that and and then thirdly it was like well these are there's no swimming pools open like it's not you know it's you know irresponsible to do swimming so i feel like it was financial impact you know brands kind of just switched off you know like they they weren't really interested in, in swimming as soon as the pools were locked down um and then people are just really struggling because I think from our people perspective, you know, swimming offers swimming and swim them offers them a lot. So obviously your your community, your friends, your family, and also swimming is a really good way to change your environment physically. Yeah. Um, kind of you know, there's no real other than like a trampoline, you can't really feel like you're floating or flying other than swimming. Um, so I think that those are our, our main issues and. Now we're in a slightly better place, like people have kept their memberships going, which has really helped us. Um we have like a put like a donation link on our site, um just to kind of see us through this period. Um one of our suppliers were nice enough to honor like a previous invoice we had. So if we paid it, it would be discounted from all future purchases and stuff. Um so in the interim we're okay, we're gonna look at, you know, those the government loans and, and stuff that are around. Um it's weird it's a weird time for small businesses if you have no like no physical space um you don't get like business rates and the councils aren't dishing out money for for, for you but yeah the impacts i think it is really kind of affecting us not seeing each other for for so long i think when lockdown first happened it was the longest i'd spent away from p for for six or seven years (laughs) (laughs) Uh, (laughs) it's hard Um, man it's hard yeah it's very odd um and, yeah, people are really desperate to have, to find that feeling that swimming gives you. We've been holding, like, weekly sessions on Saturdays and Thursdays with our, our members to, like, just have a chat. and um, oh, Be, that like, compiled. A, yeah. We put, like, a reading list together of books and, and some podcasts and films that are all kind of water-related. Uh, um, Going to do some music mixes for people as well to just, I don't know, just to remind each other that they're all there. So, yeah, we're doing all those kind of things to, to, that see us through. Obviously, I'm self-employed, he's self-employed. So that was a whole other issue of us on universal credit and yeah, it's just a lot. lot. It's, just, it's just trying to it's a lot. i'm I'm lucky enough to be locked down with my girlfriend and you know we're we're happy. Have like a, an argument each week, that's just our schedule for some reason. Um, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, just trying to make sure of it all.
1: We'll put a link to the page for contributions that you can make to Swim Dem Crew, mm, yeah. and just to know, yeah, like, in for future reference, that you run workshops, don't you, for men about mental health, sex, yeah. masculinity, consent,
0: the workshops, are sex and relationships, and-, and masculinity. I don't, I don't, I'll, I'll speak on mental health, but I don't, um, run workshops on it yet. So, yeah, when it comes to sex and relationships, that's consent. Healthy relationship, anatomy, so like using play-doh to to do um to make you know our sex organs. Um I'm <laughs> just trying to find the most like with the universal way And yeah, it's so all this sex said that's like done by people, like it's inclusive, it's um you know, we our definition of sex is very loose and mm it's just about showing talking about the awkwardness of, of life and sex um and then the masculinity point of view it's about letting people explore in, in young men and boys explore what it, what they think being a man is um and also what they think being a man could be or could mean and trying to like flip that switch on them and then oh actually like masculinity might be this but that doesn't mean I'd, i need to subscribe just to that That like, there's there's femininity as well and there's you know there's there's other aspects of themselves that they can start to appreciate. Mm. And just trying to get that, that through to them so they can do all those things.
1: Amazing. Absolutely brilliant. Thank you. thank you so much, Nathaniel. Thank you so, so <laughs> much for joining us, Nathaniel. And thank you. Right. Take care, man. Take Thank care. you. Listeners, we'll be back again next week.
2: You have been listening to Surviving Society with Chantel and Tiso.
1: If you enjoy the podcast and find it useful for your ever-expanding sociological imagination, please consider supporting the podcast if you have the means via our Patreon. If not, you can always support us by subscribing, rating and reviewing on your preferred podcast platform.